Welcome to the E6 Podcast. The E6 Podcast is a place for candid conversations from Colonial Church, where we will dive deeper into what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as Christ followers. What's up, buddy? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 17 of the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. We are uh, glad to be here today. My name is Brooke, and I'm one of the pastors here. i got a couple other pastors here with me. My name's Tanner, Hi, Tanner, and uh, I get to be called a pastor here, so that's yeah. pretty cool. Pretty you fun. do, because you were ordained as a pastor here at Colonial Church. Was it, was it like 18 months ago now? <laughs> I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. I think it was like, was it early 2019? I don't remember. That sounds right. Dude, sounds right. That, that year, 2019, like, was so long ago. Yeah, 2019. Dude, it feels it like it's so at least 10 years ago. ago right? Oh my gosh. Like it was forever ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm Lauren. Hi, Lauren. One of the pastors here. Uh, they tried to deliver my coffee this morning over at Collective <laughs> Coffee, had Lauren written on the side of it. And the poor guy was walking around the coffee shop looking for a young lady. Couldn't uh, find her. Maybe an old lady, but some lady with the name Lauren, and they, <clears throat> he looks so confused. Poor guy. Story <laughs> of my life. You guys had way too much fun. Oh with yeah, that. That was, it was <laughs> it was entertaining. You know, I but I can I can do it because I have also experienced that. As, well, yeah, because the Brooke, name Brooke, yeah. I've had that all my life as well. And I know one girl named Tanner. For the, if we're going to go down that road, now that's rare, obviously. But. Yeah, I don't know a girl named Tanner. We had a dog named Tanner. Did I tell you that? I'm sure I've told you that. I we think so, yeah. We used to have a dog named Tanner. I was not going to name it Tanner, and then my little sister was like, we should call him Tanner, because he was tan. I was oh, like, yeah. that's awful. That's the reason my name's Tanner. And my mom loved it, and so then we got stuck. You were tan. Sure. Came out. You came out tan. Actually, I came out blue. Yeah. I was like stuck, apparently, so I came out like black and blue, <laughs> bruised up. I love it when we derail, like in the first like two minutes, it's like, we're we're already like, so off the rails. I think it's a rule. Like, we just start we just off the start. rails. <laughs> how else do we start? I don't know. <laughs> Do we, I don't think we would know how to start. Is there a plan? I, I was, there I a was plan? thinking of one of my good friends, Chad Ashcraft, who up until very recently was one of our elders, stud, fighter pilot. And I, I asked the question, knowing the answer. I'm like, you listen to the podcast? And he's like, no. Uh, no. no. And, and even to his credit, <laughs> even if he tried, I don't think he'd get past this first the few first moments five minutes. of banter about absolute nothing. Yeah. I don't know how many of our listeners fast forward purposely. When are they going to get to anything remotely substantive? <laughs> uh, I know my wife, if nobody else really enjoys us just being idiots together. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> speaking of substantive, um, yeah. can we uh, can we send a shout out to all of the allergy sufferers out there right now yes. that are literally hating this time of it year? It is that time of year. My head is I about think of, to explode. Yeah, you've, you've been talking about it, and uh, I think my son has been like... A, like he's he can't sleep, so he's oh. been a terror all day long because yeah. he can't Poor sleep guy. and he's whining about everything. And he's is he five? And he's now? five, right? Yeah. So he can't do anything about it. He's he's like, Dad, how come my how come my 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 tongue makes this sound? It's yeah. just like him trying to deal with his allergies. I think of Nick Morales that's hating, constantly hating life. Yeah, during, I'm pretty sure know. like Nick the last several weeks has, to staff meetings just carried a box of tissues. Yes. With him. Like just, <laughs> this is right. But oh. it's it, you know what's bad when our news station is posting pollen, like, what's the pollen count supposed to be today? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a red flag. Yeah, Not good. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's never good. But uh, shout out to all of you who yeah. are who are we suffering through the spring. Yes. Like, I love that it's like it's nice outside. And granted, yesterday was hot. Today's yeah. hot. You know, this week's going to be warm. But but like the 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 wind coming through, which is normal in Wichita Falls. Yeah. Then the rain coming through and making <clears throat> everything start to grow, and then we freeze things, and then it grows oh, again. Yeah. Like, and it's what? just it seems like what we're just happening? like all over the place. Yeah. Well, when we had a tornado. Did you see the tornado well, in Vernon? Did you see it? I did not see it. No. Oh, absolutely. It was super cool. I had my shelter super, in my garage ready for cool. cool. I'm sorry if anybody, I don't know. I actually <laughs> should not have that said that. Super cool? That's I a, shouldn't have said that. Well, nobody got hurt. You and I are from Oklahoma, we? though, so it's hurt? different. Yeah, you're right. I don't think anybody got hurt, but there was like a barn or two that was destroyed by it. And like it was approaching like this, the wind turbine. How uh, big was it? Um, it was like an EF1. Yeah. It was like, it wasn't. So it, super it, large. It, it touched the ground. It touched it. the ground, and it stayed on the ground for a while, and it was yeah. really cool. And actually, this uh, the storm itself produced several of them. Mm. Um, but I was just watching them because you know, I'm the I'm I'm the guy who's standing up on his wall outside. Going, I, I need to be able to see. I it need better. to say this thing, you know. Um, <laughs> I did appreciate it's a very the text. Oklahoma Tan- mindset. Tanner knows I just cannot handle it, and he's texting me. You know, there's a storm and you know, there's a tornado in Vernon. You, Get your family ready. Just, 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 just. <laughs> he knows it's just freaking me out. I, in fact, now that I say Part it, out, of it is just I'm so, realizing you're not really helping me. No, no, not at all. I want to get the, I want to get the text that you and your family in a storm shelter unnecessarily. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I really did go down there. I cleaned it. Did you me. clean it out? Yeah. Well, we haven't. We just got it installed a year ago. Right. This may reveal to all of our our friends that that I'm just terribly scared of windstorms. But we installed. We paid money. I did not want to spend on a. Uh, garage, you know, beneath the car. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a seven by four, I think, hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went down there for the first time since we got it installed a year ago and um, cleaned it out, had bugs <laughs> everywhere, put some yeah. water down there, put a flashlight, put extra batteries, all the things you're supposed to have, you yeah. know, just in case because of your texts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, dude, it's um, it's the season, man. So it's, oh, yeah. it's no, not a are, bad thing to... We are to, totally like April and May. We are yeah. right down... It's not right a bad thing to be to be prepared like that. Did but I will, say, I will say, um, uh, the up and down weather, this is, this is where the up and down weather has really played havoc on me. I haven't been able to go crappie fishing because the weather is uh, ter- terrible. It's like... So normally I go to Lake Arrowhead and catch a bunch of crappie right about now. Okay, so that's a type of fish. I wasn't sure if that was a type of fish or a style of fishing. Sorry, yeah, it's a type of fish. And uh, I'm part of Wichita Falls Crappie Fishing uh, uh, Facebook group. Nice. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a kind of an accomplishment. <laughs> what what do you fish? I've, I've eaten crappie before. Um, what do you nope. fish for crappie with? What, do you, what, are your, what is your bait? Minnows. What, with minnows? Minnows really? or uh, like jigs. How do you mm-hmm. catch? How do you catch the minnows in order to be able to put no, them you on buy a hook? The minnows. No, we buy the minnows. Are they dead? No, 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 no. no. Mm-hmm. You want live minnows on the hook? So mm-hmm. then you I got, know that you gotta, part. You got to catch them out of the bucket, though, right? Yeah, you just reach in there, and grab them, and put them on the hook. They're not swimming around. Like and get your away kids, from you. your kids would yeah. love going It'd to be amazing. My kids love to fish. That's what their grandparents are for. Yeah, that's what their grandparents <laughs> are for. That's good. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. I love that. That's good. What's the what's the like um, the like bright neon colored? Is it like stink bait or something? Well, there's some there's stink bait, but that's like for catfish. But there's like neon colored stuff, which is uh, like crappie jigs or yeah. like they even neon color like spinner baits for like bass fishing. So if there was like a, if there was like a word cloud that had all of the words for fishing, my brain's understanding of that is just if you just randomly picked like 
10 words and said, that's fishing. I don't know. That's funny. That's all I got. Fishing line, fishing pole. This is I, a, I grew up in the city. This is a city yeah. boy, son yes. of, a, of an MD. Right. My dad, my dad, the funny thing is my parents are both like, they love the outdoors. Like we grew up going camping and fishing right, and doing right, all these right. things. Really? I just can't catch fish. Like I literally can't. And maybe it's the seven in me that I'm just like, I cannot sit still for that long and I'm bored and I want to go do something and you can't be, you, ha- you have to be quiet and you can't like throw the dynamite into the pond. And like, you know, it's like, come on, can we not do something that's a little bit? And so I, I just like, we have gone on trips and it's just like everybody else catches 10, 15, 20 fish, and I catch like one. And it'll be like this little bit tiny thing. It's not a keeper. Like, oh, no, it was a turtle. Let's throw that back. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I caught a shirt. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, random. I got nothing. I caught a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I Oklahoma. did catch a fish. So, my experience from Oklahoma is potentially a little bit different than yours. Yeah. But if you get into Tornado Alley, that's where it's weird for me because when, like, coming, coming to Wichita Falls, like, I grew up just north of Moore. Oklahoma, where, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like, you just kind of expect that every every three and to more, five years... And more is not like EF1 tornado. No, like, we're, more you're is talking like the bad ones. three, yeah. four, five, three, four, five, you know? yeah, yeah. And so I grew up near that, and and so so I have a healthy uh, fear of tornadoes, yeah. but I also become very flippant when it's like, well, yeah, the storms are, they're going away from us, it's not anywhere near me, and I don't have a storm shelter. On top of that, I'm not sure I could get my wife into the storm shelter. I think she may, like, she'd probably rather, like, take her chances with the tornado rather than get into this little bitty tiny box in the ground that there might be a spider and they might have to close the door. <laughs> I think she'd rather just say, I'm going to hang on to this, a, yeah. you know, pole. Yeah, or, or like, a, what's the, the door of my twister. car? Let me just yeah, wrap right, right. some we'll, leather we'll belts some, around. Put a belt around us. <laughs> <laughs> totally not realistic. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie Twister, that's uh, such an unrealistic scene, and I love oh, it. Um, so, did you guys see the? Uh, I'm 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 assuming that you've seen this. Um, did you see the the post from the the animal the Wichita Falls Animal Services? Oh, the dude uh, with with, uh, with with the Zach guy. and the husky. Yeah, and yeah. Did you, did no, you I don't see? know what you're talking about. Everybody, yeah. like like for real, you the didn't see the post of a husky. Dog. The, so, so the animal services. It's like, like the, like the, like the rescue service uh-huh. or the, the shelter yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. They post like their people posting or um, posing uh, with posing, new posing with it with an animal. Like, with, hey, yeah. this is a dog that you can that, that you can adopt. Okay. okay. So they they <laughs> <laughs> it blew up, man. I'm so they, they posted this picture um, with uh, it was this 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 dude and a husky, gorgeous husky. Right. I love huskies. So huskies amazing. Like I, I I love huskies too. My sister used to have one. It's awesome. Yeah. And but the dude is like really good looking. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so the post like goes crazy it's because like, of his look. Because of the dog. Because, because of the of guy, the, not because the of the dog. Like no. they don't. They didn't care. No, it's all about like this. It's like does he come with the right? It's all the comments. <laughs> like like normally there. I went back through and was just kind of looking at them. And so their comments like normally they have like you know twenty thirty forty yeah, yeah, comments yeah. per per dog picture or whatever. And this one has like twenty nine thousand. Uh-huh. Like it has like thousands of shares. Like it's been all over the place and and. And, and so I was but just, it, it, I'm looking at it right now because you're showing it to me. It, it says that it's all about Zach. The well, they, but that's what they do. This is our this is this is our uh, our, our, employee. Our, our employee. And here's one of the dogs. This is what they like. You know, it's just kind of like an employee of the month he kind of a thing. Hiking like, and listening to country music. Hiking and country music. And I'm yeah, waiting right. for it to say and long walks and long on the walks beach. on the beach. Right, exactly. But <laughs> yeah. it's just it's but like the comments oh, are hilarious. hilarious. And oh, that's so I was curious funny. because yeah. did you see that his even his family was like commenting on yes. this? <laughs> like they were jumping in with the fun, like not like defending him and no, being like he loves. No. 
animals, no, no, shut no. up. They're no. like, oh, man. Yeah. Does he fantastic. come with it? That's Can right. we adopt him or yeah. just the dog? Uh, that is fantastic. Does he come with the dog? It was amazing, yeah. Yeah, I was just, uh, was, I was so entertained by that, and it's just <laughs> hilarious. And, and it's just like, yeah, you give us a call at this number, and like their numbers, like they, they gave, they, I think, I think they, they said um, they had like, uh, like hundreds more calls or something like that uh-huh. because of this post. Because of this dude. That more animals were adopted Genius. and all this. Yeah. It's like, Genius. oh, that, that ended up actually working out quite well. But I was, was yeah, I was, I was funny. Yeah, that was I good enjoyed one. that. Yeah. Do you guys, uh, do you guys watch the Oscars? No. no, the Oscars were over the weekend. We watched it for. I, did, I didn't about, even know they were on until uh, it came up on my newsfeed this morning. Yeah, I, I was like, wow. I there's definitely been some years where Carrie and I all you know purposely camp sure. out for two three hours and enjoy it. Yeah, and I didn't even know it was coming. Well, my wife loves those. My yeah. wife loves the award shows. I'm I'm kind of indifferent. Like sometimes they're fun, sometimes they're not. You know? Right. It was terrible. It was so boring. Well, can I confess? I, too, we made it like we made it like ten minutes, and I I, I was like. That was boring. I think this I looked. Weird. I think I looked. You know, recently, sometime in the last few weeks, at the the list of nominations. I've never seen the movies, and I've never heard of. I've never heard of most of the movies right. up for Best Picture. I'm like, this is a weird year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because it's related to the pandemic, maybe, but it just seems like some artsy fartsy. Well, I know like some nobody's kn- heard of. I know, you know? that like some 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 uh, film industries like pulled films that where they were going to release in 2020 True. and they'd never did. Right, like. I uh, think Top Gun's one of them, you know. Like, right, uh, yeah, it was going to come out, Maverick. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was going to come out, which clearly would have won Best Picture. Right. I mean, I was thinking clearly. about. I was thinking about. It like, would have won uh, all. What's them, the, you know, the pretty much. Black Widow movie? Like, obviously, right. those two would have been like. Right. And they these are the ones that are fighting for them. Best Picture. They just didn't release them, so I, I don't know <laughs> if that has something to do with it. Best Picture was Nomad Nomad Land. Nomad Land. What is that? I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, it has Anthony Hopkins in it. I didn't know that. that's not the one he won Best. I don't know what I'm talking about. See, there you go. I think you won it for the father. Okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't know what that yeah. is either. Yeah. See, I, I know a little bit. I do like Anthony Hopkins. Okay, so we have uh, we have an interview coming up with um, with a former pastor of Colonial Church, um, Rick Thompson. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we want to get to that in a little bit. So we'll we'll move on from the you know super fun conversation about the Oscars. Um, I want to know from you guys, just as we get to know each other, as we let people know, what does uh, we'll go serious here, kind of. I guess kind of. What does Sabbath look like for you? Ooh, we've talked about wow, this yeah. over the over. I don't know. If we've talked about it on the podcast at all. Like the idea of creating a Sabbath or having a Sabbath, forcing ourselves to have a, have a Sabbath. Uh, it's something that we as a staff have talked about for a while. Yeah. Lauren's a big deal for you. I'm curious. What is what does Sabbath? Maybe maybe Lauren start us off. Like, yeah. what's the point of Sabbath? Why would we even have that kind of a thing? Uh, and then and then tell us what's it what's it look like for you. I like this. Our listeners may not believe me, but I did not know this question was coming. I like it. Ooh. I like it. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I uh, I think <laughs> that Sabbath, first of all, it's one of the Ten Commandments uh, to, to honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, uh, set apart. And unlike most of the rest of the Ten Commandments, it's been off my radar the bulk of my life. It's just not something we talk about mm-hmm. as Christians. It's it's often pointed to as this oh that's the Old Testament thing or that's a Jewish thing more commonly, um, and maybe that's partly because the holy day of the week changed to Sundays, changed from Saturdays to Sundays when Christianity uh, took off in the time of Jesus. Um, even amongst these these Jewish first century Christians, they they changed their holy day of the week to Sunday. I have been the one, one of probably many who's thrown it out the back window, chosen not to think about it. Uh, 
there was a time in my life where I really embraced this notion that Sabbath, oh, that's not a, that's not a 24-hour day. That's an attitude. God wants us to mm. have an attitude of, of moments of set apart for him. He wants us to have an attitude of, of seeking rest. Uh, and I think there's some argument for that, especially when, when we know that, that God really cares way more about our hearts than all the little do's and don'ts and cross and T's. The legalistic and side. Yeah. But I will say, just in the last, I would, I would venture to say three to five years, maybe four to five years, I have really come back around to a conviction that it's a 24-hour period, it's a day of the week that has been modeled for us since creation, uh, a creation account in Genesis 1 and 2, um, that God wants us to set apart and, and trust that the world's going to keep turning and we don't have to make it turn, that he is in control. He wants us to slow down and find rest. Uh, he wants us to find delight and not just go, go, go. Um, and he wants us to, to be very purposeful with our families about it, with our, our church families about it. That's my conviction, all up in the head and, and deep in the heart. Uh, Tanner and I have actually talked about this quite a bit the last couple of years. Um, he's, he's allowed me to step into his worship school, uh, the last couple tracks and, and speak into this, but to kind of wrap up my, my initial thoughts for you guys it is something I'm very convicted about. And yet I feel very alone in, and, and I'm not really practicing it with people. Uh, so unlike other things we do together, we come together on Sunday mornings, uh, we come together in smaller groups. We, we coach each other, mentor each other one-on-one. -on -one. We read the Bible. We spend time in prayer. We uh, memorize Scripture. We even fast a little bit. All those things I just mentioned, I do that with people. I do that with lots of people. I do that with my family. I don't have anyone I'm doing Sabbath with. Um, Carrie and I talk about it sporadically. Um, but, but I feel very much like it's something the Lord has got his hand extended to me with this wonderful gift. Are you ever going to take me up on this? And I, mm. I do briefly and I, and I don't do it fervently. Do you think, do you think that maybe the, uh, the idea of, or, or the mindset, I think that's the word you use, the mindset of Sabbath versus actually doing it could be because we kind of suck at like stopping and resting. Oh, and... I think it has everything to do with that. Yeah, yes. we're 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 um we're afraid of the silence. We're afraid of um not getting stuff done. Yeah, we're we're let, afraid we're afraid people... perceive perce perce the perception is that it's lazy. Mm. Yes. To to rest, to rest is, 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 lazy. is lazy. Yeah. Um, flat out. But we we live in this um I have I have a lot to say on it, but <clears throat> that's because this is part of this is core to our curriculum for track one in 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 worship school is this idea of this like crash mentality we live in this we live in a society where we wake up to an alarm we we get we get after it all day long when we come home we're rushing through bedtime with our kids and and our and our nighttime routine and at the end of the day we crash like we just our rest comes from a place of uh of overwork um and it doesn't it's not healthy uh in any other scenario, a crash is not healthy. You think of a car doing the things that it needs to be doing. When it crashes to stop, obviously that's not healthy. 
but we do this to ourselves every single day. Um, and I've heard several pastors in my in my time, uh, like, you know, well, the enemy doesn't take a day off, neither do we. And I'm like, really? Like, he's your is he your role model? Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna let him dictate the pace at which we run? Yeah, that's just not it's not accurate. Uh, I want to live a life that Jesus is calling us to, not a life that runs at the pace in which the enemy wants us to. And so, we talk about this pretty strongly in in worship school. I say, however, I say all that to say uh, I'm still really terrible at this. Uh, I have, we haven't figured out. Shelby and I, it's on our minds. We we fight for it. We we um, we ha- this is a topic, a huge topic of conversation in our in our marriage and in the ways that we parent. But we haven't figured out how to do this with three long, three young kids yeah, and right. and. Um, it's important for us as a family to have Sabbath together. There's to me in, in there's a dynamic of Sabbath where it's important for family to find Sabbath. It's important for mom to find Sabbath. It's important for dad to find Sabbath. And we have to find like this rhythm of doing that together that allows mom to have uh, mom can't probably have a whole day of Sabbath to herself every week, but every month, I can give mom a day of Sabbath. Uh, every month she can give dad a day of Sabbath. And every month we as a family can figure out some way of doing Sabbath together. Um, and every week there's a couple of hours that we can give to each other to to find this rest and silence and solitude. Mm. Um, and so for us it looks like um, Fridays uh, I'm at home. That's my day off. <clears throat> I get up. I take, uh, take Ella uh, to school. Uh, mom takes the boys to the gym. She has some workout time when she comes home. Uh, I try really hard to have had some chores done, some things that I know loves my wife really well. Acts of service is one of her love languages. So I try to do that to where when she comes home, she feels like she can set, rest, relax, not, not have to worry about it. If she wants to read a book, she can. Um, I say try because I fail (laughs) often at that. Um, so I think it's just a matter of, finding these patterns that we could identify in our lives when it comes to Sabbath. There's a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly rhythm. Um, Daily can be 15 minutes. Uh, Weekly can be a couple of hours, um, even an hour. of Unrushed, unhurried time where we're not filling it with another activity. Um, Monthly can look like a day. Uh, two days even, a weekend away, something like that, uh, where it's family-oriented or it's uh, dad needs it or mom needs it or whatever. Uh, and then uh, yearly, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's, not, it's not vacation in, in the sense of we're running and chasing all these fun things we want to do and we stay busy and active. And we get home, we're actually more exhausted than when we left. Hmm. It's, uh, I'm real good at that kind yeah. of vacation. We want to do all these things and capitalize on the time that we have, but um, the idea of rest in this sense, of Sabbath in this sense, is a place you can go and be unhurried and unrushed and um, wake up in the morning uh, without this to-do list or um, schedule driving you. So, yeah, that's my long-winded answer to... <laughs> I, will, I will say it's, it's something that's been on my heart and mind for quite a while. And as I think about trying to serve and lead here at Colonial, 
it's not on the forefront. It's not something that in my first year or, or three, obviously, I have taught on or have tried to press us as a community into. But if you ask me what's on your short list of things in your first six, eight, ten years of leading here that you really would love to see our church community embrace it's sabbath is on that short list yeah i'm not kidding it's uh it's not peripheral it's not you know number 24 if we never get to it great to me it's i I think it's meant to be central to our rhythms and to our the way we apply our faith to living out our daily lives and um but i I think I've already implied this. It's something I'm still learning. It's not mm-hmm. something I'm coming in. I didn't move here from Denver three <laughs> years ago as a Sabbath expert. I moved here in this in this subject. I moved here from Denver three years ago as a learner and a baby stepper. And yet, I don't see anybody around me teaching this stuff. I don't see anybody on my left or my right. I, I've even got to know pastor friends here in the community. At least at least enough of them to know I've got a few kindred spirits. They're not talking about it. They're not, they're not living it as far as I know. It's just not, it's not something that we talk about in the, the evangelical church, yeah. the Western evangelical church. So um, I do have a couple of, of resources. I, since you brought it up, I looked it up that I've found very helpful. Uh, first of all, there's a great book by uh, Abraham Heschel. It's a classic book on Sabbath. He's, he's writing purely from a Jewish standpoint. Um, and so it's called the Sabbath. It's meaning for modern. Oh, it's cut off on the end of that title, but it's it's called the Sabbath with a subtitle. Uh, and then, frankly, Mark Buchanan's book called "The Rest of God" is really good. Buchanan's a, a unique writer, and I I really think people will enjoy that book. So, just a couple to throw out there. We can put those in our show notes as yeah, well. I have one I want to throw out to you as well. Okay, uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry. Mm. John Mark Comer. That's a good one. Uh, it is blatantly all about um, Sabbath and rest and um, living an attitude of Sabbath and rest um, and intentionally carving out uh, Sabbath and rest. So the ruthless elimination of hurry, John Mark Comer. That's yeah. a quick read. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll, we'll add those in there so you guys can you guys can check those out. Um, so if you if you don't know in the show notes that that basically just means that uh, along with where, wherever you find your podcasts, wherever you get those, there are some some details that come along with the episode that we uh, you know type in a little bit of stuff and then maybe some links that we've talked about and it's uh, so so they'll be down there and you should be able to check those out. And there's some there's some books. So if you haven't, um, you know, Sabbath is I, I speak from. From uh, my, my wife and I's experience, that um, was not something that we've ever done. And up until the last couple of years, when we tried to kind of make a point of it, and and uh, I, I wouldn't say we do it well necessarily, but sometimes we've done it well. And mm-hmm. um, but it's been very very good for us as far as you know having having a bunch of kids running around and. With all the things with you know with work and 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 yard work and you know of course this, like this time of year I've got yeah. tree branches falling all over the place and uh, you know just all of the other things that we that we do all the time so it's been been very helpful for us so um, yeah thanks for for indulging me so um, Lauren we are so we're wrapping up the series death to life it was uh, this was our, this was our last Sunday correct right that was correct okay we did four weeks of it. 
So did, do you feel like, uh, did you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish? Was there anything that you like, man, I just didn't have time and I really want to talk about, you know, something, another example or, or anything else that you just didn't get to get put in there? No, that's a great question. Uh, no, oh, not necessarily from a content teaching standpoint. I, I was, I was glad to, uh, to be able to do what we did. I will say, um, I feel like we just scratched the surface on telling some stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually filmed three more uh, people's stories than we showed. Um, and I have really enjoyed the feedback we've received from many, many people on how much they've enjoyed just hearing different people's brief short stories. I mean, if you, if you didn't already catch it, it's like a page long. Um, I thought they'd be even shorter when I said, you know, I was giving some parameters to our folks that were sharing, Hey, just keep it to one page, 12 font type, single spaced, <laughs> you know, and in my head, that was going to be a minute and a half, two minutes. And it turns out a lot of them are four or five minutes long. It still doesn't do justice. It seems to like there were several people that were flipping pages. Well, going, we got some rebels. Next you know, one, we got you some know? rebels here at Colonial. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we still had three stories we haven't shared yet that I still am hopeful we can share, even though we're done with this, this you know, formally with this teaching series. I, I do think we... I hope we've done a good job of just broadening the idea of what does death to life even mean? It's mm. not just the resurrection of Jesus. It's not just, you know, coming back from the dead even. It's for all of us. It's, it's spiritual. It's, it's different aspects of our life. Um, it's grieving and coming to a wholeness. It's, it's uh, dealing with our, our past mistakes and coming to a place of forgiveness. There's so many ways that that transition can look like for us. So I guess the only thing, yeah, that I would add is I hope we tell more stories. I hope, I hope people more and more are clamoring for more stories. I, I enjoyed speaking with um, one of our newer to Colonial folks on Sunday. She's been coming for about a year. Even during the pandemic, she was online a lot and then coming more recently in person. And she said, oh, I could hear a story every week mm-hmm. if you guys wanted to share it. And which is which is my heart's desire, you know. If we had like right. a production team and mm-hmm. and all kinds of time and energy, then why wouldn't we share at least one story right. every week about what God's doing in our community, in our people? And so, um, I hope we hold that in front of us. How can we tell more stories? How yeah. can we tell better stories? Yeah, my hope, my hope from just you know helping create and helping just capture these stories is that you know, our small groups and our serving teams and all that stuff are inspired by, I could write something out on a page. I could illustrate, you know, a few minutes worth of what God is doing in my life and read this out into a group of people. Because I think part of our story sharing is, our story sharing culture, storytelling culture is us learning how each individual can share their story. Um, And so hopefully they saw something in in what we, the way that we did it uh, in this series specifically, um, as a way that they can begin to share their story with people around them and people, community gods put them in and that kind of thing, um, and spur it on because, you know, without, even without a production team doing something like this, like it is still our heart. It's central to, um, some of our vision, where we want to go. Um, is just being a being a community of people who just love talking about what God's doing in the lives of a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah. Well, even even last week, having uh, 
having Terry and Karen on on the podcast with us. So if you yeah. if you have not gone if you haven't heard that one, you can go back and listen to that one. Um, which you know it, it's it speaks for itself um, in that uh, you know we, I think we've talked about this before. Like I get the analytics for podcasts and all that kind sure. of stuff, but um, we don't really mess with that or deal with that or talk with that talk about it at all. But but that was it was quickly um, and by far the most popular episode. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything that we talked about. It was. I'm pretty sure it was more more so their story. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't um, know that. But yeah. So so just just the fact that they you know getting to getting to share their story and, and that side of things it was you know it made it a really a really um, popular Ooh. episode. Ooh. So so obviously there there is uh, there is a need or a desire for um, you know story time with Lauren. That yeah. We can... <laughs> <laughs> well, in all seriousness, this is just one more platform that we need right. to take full advantage of for stories. Certainly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in all seriousness, I, I did think it was downright comical. Uh, I think it was the Lord that uh, Terry Johnson was on his Facebook feed and sharing how excited he was to be able to have t- told his story and promote the podcast, et cetera. And up on his Facebook feed comes... Uh, him telling his story here at Colonial, I think it was in 09, I think, if I remember the date right. Or maybe he just shared it again in 09. Maybe, yeah. But it's from many, 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 many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny how it's funny how God brings those kind of things back up. In fact, I was able to watch him tell his story as a, whatever the math is, 12-plus-year younger man. It's kind of kind of cool for mm. me to see that. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope we do this. I, I, part of why... People who know me as a leader, including you guys, part of why I like to say out loud, you know, what I feel strongly about, it's not because I have a plan, <laughs> which gets me in trouble. It's because I hold it high, and I, I almost like want to invite everything from contribution from others to accountability mm-hmm. to reminder. I, I want people to go, hey, remember you said we were going to tell more stories, or hey, I want to tell my story. Yeah. Or or you mentioned group leaders. Hey, there's there's at least three or four people in our group. You need to hear their stories. Mm-hmm. Let me schedule with you time on the podcast or time on a stage yep. on a Sunday morning. Um, I hope that that mindset just becomes more and more common for our people. Yeah, and you know, don't <laughs> to anybody who's like, I don't know if anybody wants to hear my story. Yes, yes, bull, they do. Bull. I they can't say they, what I they say. do. Just just um, don't. Don't let the enemy tell you that your story's not worth telling, because um, it totally is. And if you if it's left up to you know me or Lauren or Brooke or just us few to try and figure out where these stories lie, like we're gonna miss out on all kinds of goodness that God's creating. Well, and on top of that, you know, there's the there's the crazy drama filled, I can't believe that happened kind of stories, which are so fun to hear. So fun to be inspired by. There's a whole lot more stories that are very common to us going, yeah, well, this is what my life was like before, and it was, it was okay. It wasn't great. This, this was kind of a hard season for me. Then I met Jesus, and life's not perfect now, but I'm grounded in him, and I love him. Mm-hmm. And that's my story. Like, there's no drama there. There's no time behind bars. There's no, yeah. you know, meth addiction. There's right. no, there's no, you know, I used to be in this motorcycle gang. I mean, there, there's no like <laughs> these, these crazy, you know, unique things, 
But if if I I'll say this as a Christian, as a believer, not as a pastor, just as a schmo who just wants to follow Jesus well, if I hear another person every day raise their hand and say, "He's changed my life," he's, yep. he means everything to me. It keeps me going. It inspires me. It I don't. That's a story. Like that, John nine. I, I always go back to this. John nine, the, the blind guy. His story was I don't I don't yeah. I don't know. I just know I used to be blind, and then this guy Jesus, which I haven't even seen yet. I don't know what he looks like because I was blind when he talked to me. He touched me and <clears throat> healed me, and now I can see and for no, the first time in my life. That's all I got. Yeah. And they press him with more questions. No, that that's my story. If everybody just tells their story of who God is to them and what what. What's happened in their life? It's a, it's a blessing to everybody. Yep, it really is. It really is. So to dive into the uh, content from this weekend, um, you talked a lot about faith and the story of uh, story of, of of Jesus going to see um, what's what's the guy's name? Jairus. Uh, Jairus, and uh, and his daughter, uh, and then and then being interrupted on the way by the uh, the woman that reached out and touched right, from touched Mark him. Chapter five, right? Yeah, right. Uh, I just, it was it was interesting, kind of listening to you, and um, as you were as you were talking about it, I just kept having this thing stick in my head that I was like, man, it just seems so interesting to me that so often it seems like Jesus is doing something or headed somewhere or or whatever, and he prioritizes the um, the women or uh, the kids or the sick person. Or the dead person, you know, over the the, the, the you know the, uh, the the religious people, the 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 leaders of the of the town or the city or mm-hmm. um, or, or the synagogue or whatever. It was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I might help you, or maybe I'm not even helping you. I'm just maybe I'm poking the bear here, <laughs> but but I'm really here because I'm on my way, you know, to help this little girl. Mm-hmm. Or and on the way, I'm going to stop. Hey, dude, that you know, Jairus was uh, what did you say? He was a leader of he the was synagogue, a leader right? Of the synagogue, yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, totally. Hang on, somebody just touched me. Hold up, hold up a second. I got to help mm-hmm. this woman, you know." Um, and so it just it just stuck out to me. And then and then you even you even said it later on that you know he that he over and over he looks to the outsider instead of the insider. And that just that just really stuck out to me is like how many times do we see that story happen? Where it's like it's it's not about the 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 big person or the popular person or the famous person, mm-hmm. but it's this little person over here on the side that yeah. that Jesus is like, no no no, this is where my attention goes. I'll get to you in a minute, but this is where my attention goes first. Mm-hmm. Right, and that just really stuck out to me. And then you even you even kind of hit that on the end. But yeah. so what what is that? Um, you know, I mean, maybe even how do we apply that to our lives as as Christ followers trying to be more like Christ? When I, I think, you know, you talk about a crash culture where we're, we're always looking for, we got to be busy, we got to be do, getting our thing done. How often do we not see that, that person over there that we're supposed to say, yeah, 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 I'm going to get to that in a minute, but first I got to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great, that's a great question, Brooke. Uh, I think on another, you know, 30,000 foot level, it, it, it first and foremost just begs me, I, I've got to, constantly re-examine priorities and the way I see the world because all the messaging that I've ever received and still constantly receive from all angles says otherwise. It, it doesn't preach, this, this, these are kingdom values. Uh, the values that are pressed in on me are the prettiest people, the strongest people, 
the the people with, of most achievement, um, the people that I relate to the easiest or that I like the most mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, it's not that God is against those people mm-hmm. at all. That's that's right. a huge miss if we think, oh, God doesn't like rich people or God doesn't like you know people that are really strong or really pretty. No, it's just that He is so gracious and so all in companies all encompassing with his unconditional love that he goes after the ones who are receiving the least. And I don't think like that. You don't think like that. Tanner doesn't think like that. Nobody thinks like Mm. that because our messaging is constantly otherwise. And um, our kids, you know, they get rewarded for doing really well. And our teams get rewarded for doing really well. And uh, you make the team if you do really well. And you get into the college if you earn a high enough score and and the the way of the kingdom is very very different and i think it's specifically cuz god is all about the hearts of people mm. and our hearts are not measurable with worth um our hearts are not certainly not measured by anything we do to earn and so i just the more i look at jesus the more i'm wowed to slow down and to be present with people and let achievement go and let even let, let, I mean, by, by definition, Jesus let other people down. That's the, that's one thing we don't talk about Yeah, is like in this moment of Mark five, he's letting Jairus down Jairus. Now he's really not, he knows he's going right. to go help him. But in Jairus's mind, if I'm the dad there, I'm put out with Jesus because right. he is stopping and he's giving this hurting woman some attention that I are. He already said, "Let's go." I, yeah. What are you doing, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? And it's the same. Let's bring it home. It's the same for us. You know, when I when I choose to give someone who on the outside measures no worth or less worth, when I choose to give them my time and attention, I'm letting other people down. I'm letting my Coworkers down because I didn't get that thing done. I'm letting my family down because I said I was going to be home. Uh, I'm letting myself down because I had goals and ambitions. Yeah, <laughs> and yet, man, that's the way of Jesus. I, I need to hear it every day. I need to. I need to watch him reveal his heart for people every day. Um, it seems like such an interesting balance. That's um, you know. We're not we're not Jesus, so it's difficult to True. to find that balance of you know where am I, where do I need to 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 find this other person and 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 let somebody down versus where am I you know which person do I need to let down in this moment right and you know is it is it my family that gets let down in this moment or is it because of my family that I've got to let this other person down right or that, my even my own thoughts that's and, a good word but that's also where Sabbath comes in yeah like like let's mix those two things together. By 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 obediently, faithfully, radically pursuing Sabbath, you are letting everybody else down for a whole day because mm-hmm. you're not available, you're not accessible necessarily, you're not doing the things they want you to do. Uh, but it's part of the rhythm God wants us to live into, and. So it's that weird. Use the word balance. I, I've become tired of that word, sure, um, because I don't think Jesus calls us to a life of balance. Right. Uh, he calls us to a life of sacrifice. Sacrifice by default is not balanced. Mm. Um, but 
the metaphor of being on a plane and putting the mask on yourself first before you help your kid for all the right reasons also applies. Like, that's why we got to practice Sabbath. It's why we've got to honor our spouse first because for the rest of my life, she's the only one I'm going to be with. <laughs> all these other people are going to come and go. Yeah. And yet, I got to let my spouse down at some level mm-hmm. to be faithful and and meet the needs of the people around me. And so, you, yeah, I, I don't like the word balance, but I know what you mean right. by that. You mean te- the tension, right? It's not a, it's not in. like a you know a, a seesaw that's that's right. It's in perfect balance. No, it's and that's never, where you find it. It's right? Never, never feels. Hey, I mean, Jesus needed naps too, right? Yeah, he slept in the boat when he was like, "All right, I'm tired, dude. Let's go, and I'm gonna go down to sleep." That's a great. You know what? Thank God that he became human. God became fully human because then we get to watch, oh my goodness, even Jesus had to take a nap. <laughs> even Jesus only helped that person and didn't help that other person. Even Jesus got away by himself when he could have done a lot more miracles. Why didn't he do more miracles in that right. time frame? So it it provides for us our limitations, a picture of our mm-hmm. limitations. But but what, you, what you're really bringing out here is in the middle of those limitations, how do we love like him? Yeah. How do we give how do we give generously of ourselves? Mm-hmm. And I mean it's such a it's such a fight against everything we've known, you know, yeah. our culture, our society, everything around us yeah. fights against it, you know. Yeah. In the same way it fights against the Sabbath and all of that. It's fighting against us right. seeing the person that we've pushed to the side. Yeah. You know, whether we were a part of that or not, we get trained. I was looking at uh I saw some something the other day. They were talking about the uh the color go away green. And it's like in in Disneyland, if you go to Disneyland, they have certain like this specific green that your brain just ignores. Really? And so they when they there's like a street light or or something like this, like like structures they don't want you to see, they paint it this certain color and then it disappears. It doesn't actually disappear. Your brain just tunes it out and ignores it. That does sound like, like the magic of Disney. I know, right? <laughs> but it's like we do that with our, you know, we do that with everything, with with those other things around us, the, the people in the margins, or, you know, we've talked about, uh, we've talked about prison, um, you know, people that are incarcerated or the homeless population or kids in foster care or Ooh. whatever. It's like until you figure out how to dial your brain to see that, to see that person or that color, mm. um, you know, we, we've just been trained to tune it out of our heads, right? which is crazy. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's a good word. Well, we have, uh, we have another conversation coming up here with, um, with, with Rick Thompson, and uh, so we should pause this conversation as we are getting close to that. So anything else you guys want to throw out there before we, before we hit the pause button? You did, you did uh, even without knowing it, kind of provide a teaser for our <laughs> next teaching series we're going to start next oh, week. Oh, yeah. What's coming up? Uh, we are going to talk, I would argue, pretty vehemently about the most radical sermon, most radical teaching of Jesus. Uh, it's certainly the longest we have recorded. Uh, it's it's sometimes referred to as the Sermon on the Mount because mm. there's just this clear picture that he sat on a mountainside in the the hilly you know landscape of of Israel and taught to a huge crowd for a long time. Uh, but oh my goodness, if he was serious uh, about Yikes. the things he said, uh, there's some strong, hard, life changing words he's got for us. So. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to walking through that. We're going to cover almost every piece of it over the course of several weeks. We're going to skip a couple short sections, 
But if our folks want to re, re, be reading Matthew 5 through 7, uh, Matthew, say, okay. Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, uh, which ironically, I mean, it doesn't take that long. We, we act yeah, like this chapters, is a long right? teaching. You can read it and... Well, sure, you can read it, probably but... Probably six or eight minutes. It's the, uh, it's the, the digestion of it's it. It's really working through it and, and taking little short chunks of it and mulling over it and talking about it together that I think is going to be really rich. Mm. So, But it goes, it goes right to what you're saying, Brooke. The flow of our culture, of our, mind, our, our thinking is going one direction in this huge, strong current, and in so many key ways, God invites us, created us for a life to go directly upstream, go against the flow, and it's hard, and it's beautiful, and it's the way of Jesus. And so I'm really looking forward to, to, to studying that together. That's cool. Well, um, set us up a little bit for uh, what we're about to hear from... Uh, your conversation with uh, with Rick. Yes, uh, Rick Thompson is one of a handful of pastors that has served here at Colonial before uh, before us, the three of us. He was the then called senior pastor uh, back, I want to say 1990 to about 02. So it's been quite a while. He came here uh, really young. You'll hear him share a little bit of his story. And, and Colonial, in some ways, was a, a training ground for Rick Thompson as a young pastor and a lot of people, I think, the Lord used to speak into him and the, the leader he's become today. Uh, he has now been leading at a church up in Oklahoma for almost 20 years, uh, his old stomping grounds. That's where he's from. Hmm. He is a total stud. Uh, I know a lot more about Rick secondhand than I do firsthand, obviously, but the people that I know who love and respect him um, mean the world to me, so that carries a lot of weight. And then I'm just grateful that for all for the three of us, for example, that we get to uh, kind of come along after the fact and be a part of this church's rich history and legacy and be a part of this community um, well after Rick's gone. So Rick is uh, it's a good man who loves the Lord, knows a lot about the scriptures, a lot about um, what it means to, to lead and shepherd people. I think people will enjoy hearing a little bit of his heart. That's cool. So, uh, it, it, do you know off the top of your head? Do you know when, how long he's been? At, is, it, is it Council Road? Council Road. Baptist do you know how long Church. he's been there? I think it's eighteen years. I think he says in the interview, wow. eighteen years. Yeah. Okay, it's interesting because before I moved here, I actually filled in leading worship at, at Council Road. At Council Road before we moved to Wichita Falls. So clearly, when he was pastor, uh, that's what I was. That's what I was getting at. Like I didn't know the guy. Like I still don't know the guy. Apparently, I met him, but that um, is. But yeah, so collide. apparently um, I led worship there. I love it. While, while he was there too. So anyway, it. we will uh, we'll pause the conversation. We want to get you to that conversation there with with Rick. So um, if you've got questions, we'd love to talk about it. Love and love to uh, add your thoughts, your 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 concerns, your questions to our conversations here. You can email us at podcast at colonialchurch.com and uh, and send us that. You can leave us a review. All those fun podcasty things that uh, that everybody says at the end of a podcast. So. Um, Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll get you to that conversation, and we'll see you next week. Hey, Rick. How are you doing, man? Good to see you finally for the first time. Uh, Not quite face-to-face, but it feels almost like it. Great to see you, Lauren. Um, I uh, feel like I know you and have followed your leadership and your ministry, so it's, it's really great to be with you. Well, likewise, and I have literally followed your ministry and leadership. Uh, some of my most fun conversations in my first three years here have been with some of our longtime 
colonial mm-hmm. folks, some of whom were really young. Um, yeah. when, when they got to do life with you, yeah. including uh, some who came to Christ when you were here. And so uh, I feel like... Um, and, and in my mind, all those people are still young, so... <laughs> right, right. You yeah. probably are too. They probably yeah. still think yeah. you Right, in my mind, I'm still young too, so... <laughs> yeah, we just, um, we just interviewed uh, Terry and Karen Johnson on our podcast this wow. past week. And I know you know them well. Uh, and I've, I've enjoyed, Terry was on the search team that, that brought me here. And so to, to hear his story again, I got to hear it when I first got here three years ago, but to hear his story again about uh, just growing up unchurched and not feeling a need for God or for church and to come face to face with Jesus and, and then to go through, even after coming to Christ, come to grips with his own, his own depravity, his own addiction and, and finding freedom uh, in Christ and freedom in community. And, uh, it was, it was a gift to the church for him to get so real and share all that. You were right in the middle of that story, Rick. <laughs> well, we've got beautiful memories of our time with Terry and Karen. And of course our kids all grew up together and you know, they, they're like family to us. So yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Well, and, uh, a lot of our folks have gotten to know RJ a little bit. He's only been down here once we brought him down from Denver been over a couple of years to speak and to share his story, but I have, I have roped him into multiple podcast interviews or uh, we've done some video interviews like this where he's just spoken into different subjects. And I think anybody who is a part of Colonial or anybody who remotely um, is following my leadership here knows that RJ is a mentor to me, a brother, a friend. I, I spent my, I get a, I get a week long sabbatical each year. And uh, the first time I got to do that, which was two years ago, I could not think of a better option than to go up to Montana and go backpacking with RJ. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, I can't think of a better option either. <laughs> all right. Can we, can we just for fun? Can you tell me, tell me something we don't know about RJ? As, as, uh, as I know you guys are dear friends, your colleagues at Global Action with the International Ministry are helping lead. Tell me something something fun that, that a lot of us may not know about him. Yeah, uh, wow. Um, <laughs> or just what you like about yeah, him. I, don't, I, don't, I know, I don't you know guys the thing friends. is, that kind of thing has a, has a way of circling back around and biting you, you know, so <laughs> not really sure if I want to... Uh, <laughs> especially when, when it's, when it's RJ, because, you know, the, one of the privileges of being a, a good friend of RJ's and, and a, and a cohort of his is that he kind of becomes your counselor, you know? So he is, he is a, uh, you're saying he's got, he's a got tremendous listener. And, uh, <laughs> so he knows he, I guess what I'm trying to say he's, is he probably knows more secrets about me than I know about him. And so that kind of thing could really be dangerous. That's you sound, you, sound, you sound pretty smart, Rick. I, I respect <laughs> that. Also, no, RJ is, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a very unique person because he's, he's got, the, um, the, the, the rare quality of someone who is extremely intelligent and capable, uh, as far as his teaching ability and his, his grasp of theology, his grasp of scripture. Um, he's a, he's an acad, he's an academic, um, and he has tremendous knowledge, um, not just of scripture, but of life and, and all of that 
is true of him on the one hand. The other, on the other hand, he's also someone who's been through uh, just tremendous pain and 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 suffering. And um, and I'm I, I know you know that I know you know his story. Um, but he he has fallen into the depths and, and in, in addiction and has fallen just about as far as anyone could possibly fall. And and yet God redeemed him from that. And so the result of that is someone who, even though he is an academic and even though he has all of those qualities of someone who has such tremendous knowledge of theology and of scripture, he is an extremely humble person and, and, and every day uh, is a gift and, and he can relate to the, to the person uh, who is... Uh, 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 you know, in, 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 at the lowest point of their life, whether it be an addiction or some other calamity in their life, he can relate to them in a very real way. And at the same time, he can relate to the person who's uh, who's at their their heights as far as their um, their professional career or um, uh, academic success. You know, he's he's just a very unique person and. Uh, we we have a um, um, a, a great relationship, and and it's wonderful to be on the journey with him. So, I I that resonates entirely with me. That's the RJ I know. All those things. Mm-hmm. I, I that's easy for me. I, I'm not trying to be all weird and warm and fuzzy, Rick. But I think I think so much of you, certainly in part for. Uh, just the legacy you've left here and the people that I've gotten to know that were under your leadership or, or that got to do life with you. Uh, but also in part because of, of our mutual friend, RJ, he just means so much to me as a friend. He's, he's made such an impact on me as a big brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He said it well, both at my lowest point mm-hmm. uh, and at my highest points. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that makes me pr- mm-hmm. pr- probably in some weird ways, just project a lot of love and respect your way. <laughs> well, I feel the same way. I mean, a friend of RJ's is a friend of mine, and uh, I was thrilled to hear that that um, that a good friend of RJ's was the pastor at Colonial, which is um, a church that will always have a very special place in my heart. Mm. Uh, I, you know, the the years that I spent at Colonial were some of the the best years of of Terry and I's lives. Um, we we love colonial with all of our heart and, and, um, and pray for colonial and for the people of colonial regularly and, and pray for uh, your ministry and for, and for the church and for Wichita Falls. And, and uh, so, you know, it's just, it's just great to see that God is blessing you and blessing the church. And, and I'm glad to know that uh, you're a good friend of RJ's and, you know, with the the my journey with Celebrate Recovery started there at Colonial, mm. and um, I'll never forget when that ministry was first started. We we uh, were at a conference at Saddleback Church many years ago, and during the conference, they announced that there was going to be you know all of these various uh, breakout sessions. And one of the breakouts was something about recovery ministry. 
and I knew that we had a few people in our church there at Colonial who, who had been through recovery and, um, and so I thought, you know, that might be an interesting breakout for us to go to. So, um, so I went to that session and I can't remember who else was there with me. Um, but anyway, we, so we went, we went to that, to that session and, and they, they told us about this new ministry that had been started called Celebrate Recovery there at, at Saddleback Church. And it had been a big success. And so they, they were, they were going to uh, kind of teach other churches how to do it. And there was probably only 20, 30 people in that breakout session. And, and they said, hey, if anybody is interested in starting this new program called Celebrate Recovery, then, you know, let us know and we'll, we'll help you out. So I stayed afterwards and, and, uh, and talked to uh, John, I can't think of his name right now, who was the founder of Celebrate Recovery. Can't believe I'm losing his name. But anyway, we got to know each other, and he said, "Hey, you guys want to start it? Just let us know, and we'll we'll just we'll just help you in a way that we can." So we we formed Celebrate Recovery there at Colonial, and it was one of the first Celebrate Recoveries started in the country. I had no idea. That's so cool. Yeah, and in fact, I think there were only one or two other Celebrate Recoveries in Texas at the time, and John Brady. No, not John Brady. I'll think of his name in a minute. Um, but uh, but we so we that's how we started the recovery ministry and mm-hmm. and and we 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 contacted the program leaders there at Saddleback Church on a regular basis, and they gave us tips on how to do it, and and we followed you know their advice and. And, you know, to the last detail, I mean, we, we had the meal beforehand, we had the testimonies, and all of this was before the, the Celebrate Recovery program had, had been developed. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, it was exciting to see how that launched and, 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 um, and also to see the interest that the, the guys there in, in California had in what we were doing. And, and God really has blessed that program, and there there are a lot of really great stories of of people coming out of addiction um, there in that program at Celebrate Recovery and at Colonial in Wichita yeah. Falls. No uh, doubt. Well, you didn't know any of this probably. Uh, unfortunately, CR here at Colonial stopped meeting somewhere around 2014, 2015. And, um, you know, I met RJ through our old church in Denver together. Uh, he started CR at that same church. He shared his story, like I said, a couple years ago, which included, um, you know, his recovery story and CR. And it, it really started some conversation over the last couple of years. We've had people asking about it because RJ came down and because I've shared, I've shared multiple times. My favorite churches that I've been a part of have had recovery ministries. Yeah. Uh, without exception. Yeah. And so uh, we announced last week that we are restarting Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights here at Colonial oh, uh, in the middle of May. So this is timely to hear you share that's about that. That's for me to hear. I am so, 
Yeah, we've got, we've got a champion here who's excited about it, who was involved in Tulsa at another church for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And really, that's that's so central to his story of, of redemption and healing. Uh, and we've got several other people that have been a part of Celebrate Recovery here in our community, just not through Colonial, that mm-hmm. now find themselves at Colonial Church, eager to see it get some traction. And uh, I could not be more excited about I I share in that excitement. Celebrate Recovery needs to be at Colonial Church because the heritage and the history of Celebrate Recovery is tied up in the program there at Colonial. Um, Mm -hmm. And John Baker is the person I was trying to think of, (laughs) who's the founder of Celebrate Recovery and and actually developed um, all of the steps and so forth. And um, he helped. Colonial start celebrate recovery. If it had not been for John Baker and his and his support and encouragement um, of our team, then we would not have been able to start it. Mm. Uh, so that's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm I'll be praying for that, and and okay. I'm excited to hear that. Um, fantastic, fantastic. I'll pass that on for sure. That I think that'll be just one more shot in the arm to these folks trying to get it kickstarted again. Awesome. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, I have a, I have a couple questions I want to ask you. Um, I want to know, well, first of all, what, I know you could rattle off names and, and specific milestone moments, but what, what is your general memory of, of your time here at Colonial, especially as a young pastor, I, I can only assume uh, still trying to find your own way as a leader, mm-hmm. as a pastor of a church. You came here in your, I think your late twenties, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I was 29 years old when I started there at Colonial. Um, and then you were here about a dozen years, 12, 13 years? I was there for 12 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Easily our longest tenured pastor in mm-hmm. our 31, 32-year history. Yeah, and they were 12 wonderful years. Not that they were all easy. Um, sure. You know, 20, at 29, um, you know, you've still got a lot to learn. Um, so I made a lot of mistakes when I, when I first came to Colonial and yet the people there were so loving and so grace, uh, oriented that, um, they allowed me to make those mistakes and, Mm. and we worked through them and, um, we survived it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I came to Colonial to, at the, the first, uh, few months that I was there, were, were really very difficult. Um, we, we had a, um, an interesting mix of folks who were part of the church plant. Um, most of them had come from First Baptist Church. They had been through a very hurtful situation there at, at First Baptist Church. Um, most of them were older members. And and I think that, you know, and, and, you know, I won't go into a lot of detail about how all that came about, but just to say that it was, it was during a time of volatility among Texas Baptists. Mm. There was a lot of um, uh, anxiety about changes that were being made to the convention. Uh, there were some, some upheaval uh, in the convention itself. And, uh, there were folks at First Baptist Church who were affiliated with both sides of that divide, and and um, 
and, and unfortunately, national politics, and I'm talking about convention-wide, SBC-wide, had taken its toll on the um, on the um, on the on First Baptist Church at that time. Uh, the pastor at the time was pretty wrapped up in national politics. And some of the church members had been affiliated with kind of the opposing side in that political struggle. And, and so that created a real problem in the church. And, and so there was a group of people there at First Baptist who, you know, they, they didn't want to be angry all the time. They didn't want to, they didn't want to feel that kind of anxiety and anger every time they went to church. And so instead of just kind of existing in that, they decided to turn it into something positive. And so they approached the leadership there at First Baptist about the possibility of beginning a new church in Wichita Falls. And um, I don't think that the leadership there was all that excited about it. I think they were afraid that it might create a split in the church. But I think that they did give kind of a blessing to that group. And, and so uh, a, a significant number of people from First Baptist Church, when I say significant, about 30 families, um, uh, left First Baptist Church to start this new work. Um, and that's how Colonial was started. And it started in a funeral home, Colonial Funeral Home. Yeah. And that's how, that's how Colonial got its name. Um, and, and so when I came, uh, there, was a there was a church planter, but he, he, who was not ever meant to be the actual pastor. He came to help start the church. Uh, and then he had left. David Young was his name. He was a great guy. Um, but, but David's vision of church life was more liturgical. Um, so he had kind of led them in that. So when I first came, the church was very um, traditional and liturgical in its worship style. Um, and so in that particular period of time in the early 90s, a traditional liturgical church was not your typical church plant, especially not in Wichita Falls. Yeah, I'll bet. And, and so... Right away, you know, as a 29-year-old pastor, I had to figure out a way to transition us away from that mindset into a more modern style that, that would fit, in my mind, would fit the culture of Wichita Falls mm -hmm. and would attract folks who, who were looking for a new church, uh, who weren't necessarily looking for the traditional First Baptist type of church. And, and so, you know, I knew instinctively that we needed to make that transition. Um, but we had a lot of really strong-willed, um, kind of traditional-minded folks that were in that church plan at the time. And um, so, you know, it was, it was tough for them to make that transition. And, and uh, so, you know, as you can imagine, that, that was a pretty volatile time. Um, we, we, we had a lot of strong-willed folks who, who just, they were used to getting their way. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of oil people had their own businesses they, they didn't like being told what to do. They didn't like to be told no, you know, they were, 
they were uh, they were they were good good folks who loved Jesus, but you know they were just gonna they 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 weren't necessarily going to to uh, to be convinced about something that they didn't necessarily believe, and um, so it was tough. I mean, those first few months were really tough. We we had to make some tough decisions, um, and. Uh, and then we, had, we, we changed some things that, that I think were difficult for some people. And yet the Lord blessed during all of that time, during all that volatility, our church was growing. And we quickly outgrew our, our first worship service, had to start another one. And um, so, you know, we, we, in those first five years or so, we grew pretty rapidly. And um, at one time, I think we were the maybe the second fastest growing church in Texas, which, um, you know, if you, if you grow from like 50 to 200, then, you know, that's, that's a pretty high percentage rate of growth, but you know, you're still, you still only have 200 folks there, you know? So. Well, that's exciting. You, you do make me want to ask you this, Rick, cause you've been, I know you've been at council road for quite a while. You've mm-hmm. been, you weren't colonial for, for, relative to a lot of pastors, tenures, uh, a good long run. When, when did you feel like you turned that corner? I'm, I'm almost asking this selfishly, frankly. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm almost three years in here at Colonial. I, I'm, I'm barely smart enough to know from, from a lot of good mentors that it, it takes a long time to, to change the direction of a, of a battleship, of an aircraft carrier, yeah. all those cliches. When, when, when in your tenure, both at Colonial and at Council Road, do you feel like you, you saw the vision that God gave you and your leadership team for, for what God wanted to do in and through your church really start to be fruitful? Uh, mm-hmm. Not just butts in the seats that, that can happen quickly, yeah. but you know what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're, uh, you're, it, it does take a long time for a ship to turn. Um, I remember when I was starting off in ministry, one of my mentors told me, you know, you, you, you can't even begin to assert leadership in a church until you've been there for about five years. And I I know what he was saying, you know, you, you've got to uh, get to know your folks, get to know your community, um, establish yourself as a leader uh, establish yourself, and more importantly, establish yourself as a pastor um, before you can really start um, challenging your folks to to make big changes. Um, and and that you know, I think that that is a a, a pretty good guide. However, um, you know, like for instance, in our case, when we first started off at Colonial, you know, I didn't. We, we were young and new, and, and the church was just starting off. We, we, the ch- before I came as pastor, the church decided to go into debt about $3 million to buy a building. Wow. wow. And, and so I came in. We had about 60 folks coming regularly, and we had a $3 million debt. With 60 but, folks? Wow. 60, about uh, 60 families. Um, our, our attendance was probably between 60 and 100 mm-hmm. on a regular basis and and we had that big building that we had just bought from faith um 
uh, faith Pentecostal church. And um, <laughs> so we had to figure out a way to grow and to pay our debts. And, and I didn't have time. I didn't <laughs> wait, have time to wait. You know, I had to, <laughs> right. I, we had to get going. And, and so we, we did it the hard way, you know, we made big changes almost immediately. And, mm. and then I just had to survive, you know, um, and, and so, you know, the, so, you know, that I think it is true that you should wait and, and develop your, your, your relationship with your folks, but at the same time, you know, you have to lead and you, and you have to, to set direction and, and sometimes you have to take chances mm -hmm. and, and, um, but you, you, you obviously want to want to know that you, your, your folks know what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and that they trust you. And so, you know, my, my motto has always been high trust, low fear, um, in leading, I want people to trust me and I want, I always want them to have a reason to trust me. And I, and I, and I want to, I don't want to give them any reasons to feel afraid about what we're doing. Um, so it, I always try to lead with high trust and low fear. Um, that's a great word, Rick. That's a great word. Um, so, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, I've been at, I've been at council road now for 18 years and in some ways it, it feels like I'm just now, um, you know, a true leader, <laughs> mm. um, you know, it just, it just takes a long time, um, yeah. To, yeah. to develop those relationships and, and to sustain people's trust. Yeah. Um, I never want to give people a reason to not trust me. Um, so you, you want to be, uh, I want to be open about your decisions and, and always explain why you're doing it and, and admit when you fail. And, you know, that's, that's another thing I've always done is when I make a mistake, if I have a failure in leadership, I just, I just tell people, man, that, that didn't go so well. And that was my fault. And, uh, and I wish I hadn't done that, but, but we're going to learn from it. You know, that's and, a great word, Rick. That's a great word. I appreciate that. I appreciate that selfishly. I, when you think of us, which I know you do, you've got a lot of people down here, you, you know, way better than you know me. And you, and you think of us, you think of colonial, um, sp among other things, please pray for wisdom and discernment for me, uh, to know, you know, when to take those chances and not, not wait for, for what seems like is going to take a long time. And all at the same time to have patience and, uh, wisdom to, to know it, trust, trust takes a lot of time. You know, I, tr I, I have to assume, you know, some of our more recent history. And I say recent, like eight, 10, 12 years ago, where trust was lost, you know, by some leadership here. And, mm -hmm. and there's been kind of a domino effect over the last uh, several years of, of difficulty regaining that trust. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that plays a huge part into my, conviction of I, I got to be patient. I've got to, yeah. I've got to really just put one foot in front of the other with, with really good people, some mm -hmm. of whom have been hurt and let down. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately some of whom are gone, of course, uh, mm -hmm. but we're in a big, small town. So I'm even, 
I'm even learning <laughs> as year three almost ends for me. I've started to have some relationships with people who used to come to Colonial, used to call Colonial home. And at some weird and yet beautiful level, I get to be part of their healing as mm-hmm. well. Our town's small enough mm-hmm. uh, to be a part of that, you know? So mm-hmm. even I'll add this, Rick, I, I, I think you might get a kick out of this. Bob McCartney is uh, the pastor over at First Baptist here in town now. He's been here, I want to say almost 13 years. Mm-hmm. He's been very generous with me and we've had multiple meals together and a lot mm-hmm. of talks and we invited him to speak to our, our men's group. Uh, we had, I think we had about 60 men. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a year ago or so, year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. I didn't even realize how big that was because I didn't know a lot of our, the, the nuts and bolts of our history. I knew the broad strokes, but for Bob to tell me after the fact that he was pretty sure it was the first time any staff, any pastors from First Baptist in many, many, many years, like umpteen mm-hmm. years had stepped foot on our campus because of some of that friction. And, There's no doubt. Uh, and it yeah. was a redeeming moment for Bob to be in our facility sharing with men about Jesus and, mm-hmm. and recognizing, Hey, we're one, we're one big church, you know? Awesome. And, uh, I'm, I think, I think over time I'm slowly learning how big a deal that actually is. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big deal. Mm. That was a big deal. I celebrate that. I'm sure there's still some longtime church folks who unfortunately look down the street at each other and yeah, can't see straight, but, but yeah. I, I want, that's part of my heart is I want to be a part of, of God bringing those walls down and helping us that's, see with kingdom eyes in our city, you know? That's awesome. And that kind of thing will restore trust. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and will will benefit the kingdom. Um, but will also benefit colonial and it'll benefit first Baptist church. And ultimately all of Wichita falls, um, <clears throat> for, for all of those things to be healed is a beautiful thing. And well, I don't expect you to know <laughs> our, our newfound vision and mission statement. You've got your own world. You're living, living in at full speed, but I will tell you real quick, we've, we've got great clarity from the Lord the last year and a half, two years that God wants colonial to make disciples who Mm -hmm. unite Wichita falls and Mm -hmm. impact the world and, and the job of reconciliation and unifying uh, is central. I think to so much of our, of our conviction about being faithful. First and foremost, it's about making disciples, but I think who, who are about unifying um, is, is a pretty big deal. It's definitely central to my heart. Uh, so I'm, I'm eager to see, I, I really want to be here for a long time. I want to, mm. I want to be the next Rick Thompson. That's one of my goals, uh, from, from a 10 year standpoint. Um, I want to, I want to make mistakes and, and hope, hope for that same grace you've experienced and, uh, and keep going. Well, you, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you want to be there for a long time. Colonial needs that. They need your leadership. Um, God has put you there for such a time as this. And I'm excited to hear about your vision. Uh, that, that, is, that is a beautiful vision. And, and Colonial's the church to do that. Mm. Uh, I think you're uniquely positioned um, to, to do that. And um, 
I, I, I so appreciate your leadership, Lauren, and I love your heart. I, I love what God is doing in your life and how he's leading you. And, and, uh, I, I love what Colonial's doing and, and, um, excited to hear about the, the beginning of the recovery ministry, the, the re-beginning, the renewal of the, of the recovery ministry, <laughs> the recovery of the recovery ministry. Uh, <laughs> That's that's exciting too, and um, so um, praise God for for what He's doing. Well, I appreciate your time, Rick. I uh, I will say this too. Um, my I've got four daughters. My oldest, we started pretty late, uh, and so at fifty one, my oldest is only seventeen. But her, uh, she's got she's going off to Oklahoma State uh, in the fall. And so I'll be driving through your neck of the woods probably more times than I realize over the next yeah, several years. You, you absolutely will. And you need if, to call and, and uh, let me know so we can get together. I'll, I'll bug you. If, if we go one for 10 on, on grabbing a coffee or something, it would, it would be huge for me. I would love I'd that. Love I'd love yeah. it. Can I, can I ask you this toward the end? We're going to share this as I, as I mentioned before on the end of our podcast weekly on Mondays. Um, can I end with this? Would you, would you take 30 seconds and address our church. And I, I might even just share this on video on Sunday, just as a blessing to them, especially our folks that know you personally. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you give us 30 seconds of, a, of just an address from, from up the road? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'd love to. <clears throat> um, I just want to say to my colonial family that God is continuing to, to bless this ministry in ways that we don't even understand yet. And I'm so grateful for Lauren's ministry, for his leadership. And I can see that God is going to do some great things in the future. Um, Terry and I's uh, history with Colonial is something that will always be a part of our heart. Um, our kids were raised there. Um, we love Colonial with all of our hearts. We, we love what God is doing, what he has done, and what he will continue to do. Uh, there has been a legacy of... Uh, grace-filled, grace joyful, uh, biblical, uh, uh, cross-centered ministry at Colonial that uh, I think will continue way into the future. And I'm, I'm excited about uh, what he will do to help unify Wichita Falls as a result of this new vision and this new work. And uh, I'm, I am continuing to pray for what God will, will do and what he continues to do. So God bless you, Colonial Church. Um, I know that, uh, that, that God has something amazing in store for the future. And uh, as, as wonderful as our, our past was, uh, I don't think we can even uh, begin to imagine what he's going to do in the future um, on that corner. So praise God and God bless all of you. Thanks a ton for the encouragement, Rick. I want to ask you this. I want to leave this with our folks that are listening on our, on our podcast. How can we be praying for you and Terry as a family and, and for your ministry? Well, um, you know, we're, we're continuing with uh, um, our ministry here at the church in a, in a really big way. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of things coming up in the future that, that I'm really excited about. Um, we're in a transitioning neighborhood here in Oklahoma City, and you know our church is, is uh, continue to work uh, is continuing to reach out into this community in unique ways. 
Um, it has its challenges, obviously, but, um, but I'm excited about what God is doing. Uh, so just continue to pray for, for our missional work here in, on the west side of Oklahoma City. Um, also, the work of global action that we've talked about, RJ and I are both involved in that. I'm very excited about the work that, that's being done around the world um, in, in training pastors and leaders in developing world countries. I do believe that the future of missions is really to pour into national believers. Um, and instead of sending Western missionaries into the mission field, I think I think we need to equip the believers that are already there in the country um, to to um, to have the kinds of resources and the kind of training that they need to expand the church and the church's work in in some of the most difficult areas in the world. So. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I think I think it's important for for our ministry to be both local and global, and and um, so that's an ongoing prayer need and prayer request for me. I, I'm I'm excited about both what God is doing here on the west side of Oklahoma City and also what He's doing around the world through Global Action. So awesome, awesome. We'll count on count on if nothing else. Uh... Uh, a remnant of folks that that were here when you were here and our leadership here for sure praying for you as a leader as a pastor um part of your ministry there locally globally uh, you're on my heart and mind a lot just just because rj and i talk still every friday uh mm-hmm. and uh i feel like you come up a lot global action obviously is uh, is always something we we mm-hmm. talk about and pray about so um well and 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 you're on my heart a lot as well, Lauren, as well as Colonial Church. Um, you're a regular part of my prayer life, and and uh, and I, I'm excited about what God is doing. So thank you for taking the time out today to hang out with me and, and to kind of include me in all of this. Likewise. It's a gift. It's a gift. Thank you, brother. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk again soon, okay? All right, brother. All right. Take care, Rick. You've been listening to the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. For more information about Colonial, please visit colonialchurch.com or download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can send us your thoughts, your feedback, and questions to our email, podcast at colonialchurch.com. And please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll pick up the conversation again next week.